When I hang out with my SEO friends, I always joke about the fact that links are the crack of SEO. People are obsessed with them and can't get enough tactics on getting more links to their site. So today, we oblige and make sure you have no withdrawals of link building content. In this episode, we will share seven common mistakes people make when starting and scaling link building. Let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. No hype, no BS, no censorship. Just real-life online marketing tactics. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast today. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of downloads because we are talking about link building. And people, as I said in the intro, love link building. So we're literally just going to go in that topic right now. And of course, I have Mark with me who actually... We call it the whole shotgun skyscraper blueprint. So I guess it's a it's a decent guess to get on uh, on link building. But I think I wanted to start with a question mark. Like now that we've released this kind of like advanced link building course, what do you think is the main mistake people make that like have taken the course so far? Because I'm sure a lot of them are listening. The main mistake that people who have taken the shotgun skyscraper course make in link building in general, or with shotgun skyscraper, you can do both if you want. So I think. On a broader level, the main mistake in general that people make is trying to acquire too many link building tactics. Their idea seems to be that they're always chasing this mythical, non-existent, secret, silver bullet tactic that's just going to solve all their all their problems. When in fact, the reality is that with link building, it's a grind. Like it's it's probably the biggest thing you have to grind out in this whole SEO space. It's like consistent, hard, repetitive work. And you just have to eke out small 1% improvements day after day after day. And then you do that for a long enough time. And suddenly you build something which is amazing and super efficient. That is, in my experience, the secret to, to link building in general. In terms of people who bought the Shotgun Skyscraper Blueprint and have not gotten results i mean to be honest with you most of them haven't actually implemented it which you know kind of baffles me because we there was kind of the thing we wanted to make sure people will do most when buying it and we made it like as easy to implement as possible there was sops for everything and job descriptions so you could hire people to do all, all the parts so that's really the main thing one or two people who are in like certain weird funky niches um it's just it's not a feasible tactic for that. You need to have a um, you need to be in a niche. I think where there's yeah a large amount of prospects, a lot of people talking about informational terms uh, around it. Just a relatively big space. If you go too niche or too technical, a lot of prospect opportunities just dry up and it starts to lose its effectiveness. I, I guess that's that's how to answer that question. Okay, cool. I'm going to drop a teaser here. Like, actually, the last point we're going to talk about in this podcast is actually probably part of, I haven't done it yet, but it's probably part of the talk I'm going to give in like Chiang Mai and Bali, actually. It's one of these things that I think we'll talk more about in the future that's being developed now and tested. So we're going to like touch on this a little bit, but we're going to go deeper in the future, probably in H Pro and that kind of stuff. But yeah, just going to drop a little bit to the teaser. So now everyone just keeps to the end. And uh, we can just say whatever we want, just insert Laura Mipsum in that episode, you know. I'll let you pick the first main mistakes that most people make with link building, and we're going to go through the list of the seven. Okay, so there are kind of two different types of people in terms of like their mentality about asking for a link. 
And there are people who will just spam the hell out of anyone and there's nothing you can do or say will stop them from sending you hundreds of emails asking for links. And then there are people who I think, to be honest, you and I fell into that category, at least initially, where we kind of felt bad about asking for a link. It was, it was We're not natural salespeople, maybe a bit more introverted, kind of, that's probably why we like online marketing, because we don't have to talk to too many people. Yeah, just one person and then everyone else listens, you know? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but the, the, the thing with that kind of mentality is that you end up not really pursuing leads or link building opportunities enough and not following up. So I always had this perspective that, okay, I've, I've emailed them, I've asked for a guest post or whatever. They haven't responded in, in a week. They must not be interested. I won't bother them again in case I upset them or something like that. When in reality, they could just be busy, they could have other stuff going on, it could just be at the bottom of their inbox, you know, 20 more messages came in that day. They could be as bad at me as email. Yeah, they could be as bad as you email, just not respond to any emails for weeks at a time without a care in the world, apparently. (laughs) Back to the link building. So it was a kind of like deep-seated, I guess, psychological issue or fear around kind of pursuing people too much. But we slowly, over time, it took many years to kind of like really get over this and get better at it. And of course, it helped when when tools like GMAS and Mailshake did some of the auto follow-ups. That really did help out out a lot. However, in general, one thing that we did, um, have been doing since the entire time we'd done Shotgun Skyscraper, is we tracked how many follow-ups we were sending and at what point, for all the links we did acquire, how many follow-ups we'd sent them. Then we ran that data over thousands of links and the end result was amazing. In fact, I think it was 50 or 51% of all the links we got came from the second and third follow-ups, or sorry, the first and second follow-ups. So not, not the initial email. So that to me is a clear signal that you absolutely should follow up and following up gets you more links. Have we ever seriously pissed people off and bothered them by sending out a couple of reminders? Yeah. Does it happen that frequently? No, not really. If someone's not interested, they'll generally be polite about it, say no. Yeah, most people just don't reply. They just don't reply as well. I want to say as well, actually, I'm going to tease another thing. It's like we actually extracted all the outreach we've done for the past like three or four years with the outreach team, and we're going to run a data post on like every email we've sent. There's half a million emails. <laughs> so we're going to actually like do a proper data post on our, on our outreach. But unlike other studies that have been done in the past, we're going to focus on like what actually got the link, not what got people to reply. Because if someone replies and says, go fuck yourself, I wouldn't count that as success. Therefore, I don't think that's the best metric to look at. So we're going to try to do it from a link perspective, like you know, like subject lines, like the words that came back the more, most often, etc. Especially, it's going to be interesting because the outreach team has been doing a good job and there's been a lot of templates tested, etc. Like there's, there's going to be a lot of variations. So it's going to be quite interesting to see that. It's not the same message sent like half a million times or something. So that brings me on nicely to point number two, which is stock templates. So there are a million and one different ways to ask for a link and there are a million and one different tactics here. What a lot of people focus on is the specific message. So, hey, can you tell me what the message I should send people to get them to link me is? And of course, that's important and it's a valuable tool for learning and understanding what works. But you also have to understand that whenever a template is not necessarily even shared, but whenever a template is used, 
privately, it's still being put out there into the public domain. Lots of people are receiving these templates, these messages. And very quickly, what happens is that people get used to them. You know, it's happened to us many times that in the, especially in the early days when we didn't change templates very frequently, where someone would say, oh, I replied to you last Tuesday and already gave you a link or something like that. Like, they didn't. There's someone else who, had, who was using our exact template. Now, in some cases, that was because we put it in some of our courses. Other times, it was literally just because someone had, we'd emailed it to someone, they'd, they'd received it. And they're, oh, that's a good template. Maybe I should use this as well. So you have to kind of get out of this mindset of finding the perfect template and go to a point where you're every campaign, you're testing something new, you're evolving it, you're, you keep changing it from campaign to campaign. And that will get you much better results and will help you stand out from other people in terms of the receiver seeing you differently, but also for things like spam filters and anything where an email could potentially get uh, flagged as spam if hundreds of thousands of people are emailing it millions of times per day. Obviously not going to be a good thing. I, I'm also against like complete randomness. I think you should like track properly, especially with tools like Mailshake. It's quite easy to track what's working, what's not, what gets opened, like subject lines, etc. And so don't go complete random every time. Like actually try to understand what's working, what's not working in your niche and just like use the same formulas for subject lines, but not the same subject line. I tend to like personalizing a lot of these things, 2D blog posts we're personalizing these days because it just feels more personalized. And because I know nobody else used that before, which is always good for the spam filters. It's nice to get templates and we'll keep providing templates in the courses because it gives like it's the most real life example we can give. It's like, here's a template we used. Here's all the links we got. And it's like, it's the best way to like show that in real life. The problem is when people get lazy and take these templates and just send it a million times. It's like, instead of actually trying to learn, they just want to copy and paste. And, and you know what? It works to some extent. It's like, we can't say it doesn't work a lot. How many times have I received my own templates from the shotgun skyscraper blueprint? A million times. And then it's like, I always reply, you know, I wrote this fucking template and it's okay. But like, I think you need to, if you want to really be like a top SEO, you cannot just take these templates and copy paste. You can try it just to see if it's going to work. If you're going to get a few links, sure. Like take the templates, copy paste, figure it out. But once this is something that's actually bringing revenue, bringing links, bringing rankings, take it a little bit more seriously and put a little bit more effort into this, especially when you're already given formulas that work, you just need to rewrite them slightly to get something a little bit more unique, basically. I think that that also leads on to our next point, which is kind of along the same lines. And that's like trying to use two generic terms and not trying to stand out. Like there's one particular example that really irritates me. That's when people think that by using the word unique content, they're offering to provide some kind of value. So, hey, I saw this blog post of yours. I would like to contribute some unique content to your website in order to get a backlink. What do you think? So template like that. The problem with offering unique content is that it kind of signals that, I mean, what's the opposite of unique? It's non-unique content. So you would just copy some article it means I would not copy paste the sheet out of someone else's article and paste it on your site. That's essentially what you're saying when you say no unique content. And it's like I mean, nobody would ever do that or accept that for a guest post. So 
by saying that, you're actually communicating that that's your kind of like standard for how good it's going to be. When in fact, what you should be doing is sort of communicating, first of all, not communicating that because that should be a given, but communicating what's the upper end of, of your quality standards for what you can deliver. Good ways to do that are actually to show links to articles on your site that you wrote, which are amazing, or even better, guest posts on other sites, preferably related sites in that industry, but it doesn't have to be, which are outstanding. And you know, the, the higher quality the site, the better. Obviously, you need to get those links before you can use this tactic, but it's still a, a decent approach that you can you can kind of work towards and, and take. But anyone who's saying, oh, I will, I will offer unique content, it's an instant delete in, in my inbox. So. I mean, it also says you're an SEO person, basically. Like the only people who talk about unique content are SEO people. SEO people are not exactly the most liked people on the internet. It's also something that you want to detach yourself from as much as possible. Like you, you'd rather talk about something else. But yeah, if we're going to copy paste content, we don't need you, basically. So yeah, that's basically it. Let's talk about poor data management. Okay, so I am an absolute anal freak about that that came out wrong i'm super anal about like data management and spreadsheets because it's like so so important when it comes to doing this long term and you really are going to set yourself up to fail if you don't do this correctly like i, I really just can't get get across how important this is uh a few examples of this what this looks like in practice is keeping a list of everyone who you've ever outreached to, keeping a list of everyone who's ever asked you to stop outreaching to them, and keeping a list of everyone who you've ever gotten a link from successfully. Those three things, if you do it correctly, will open so many doors for you in terms of, first of all, not really annoying people if you keep your backlist correctly. Because if, if you don't, and we didn't do this in the early days, what ended up happening is we were just outreaching to like there's a few people who would just come up in every prospecting sort of task so we would keep outreaching them again and again and they got really pissed off understandably some of them said yes for a link and it was like in process and in negotiation and then literally we just hit them with like four other this of the same email and they're like go fuck yourself like forget your link so yeah that was a bit of a painful experience but uh now we know why we do it you know exactly and then more so i mean we said this at the start and the first point when we talked about looking at our outreach success and tracking that back to which follow-up we sent on and being able to infer a lot of useful information from that so like tracking all your links again super important you can also do stuff like periodically run through them and check whether they're still active or not you know sometimes people accept the link do a link exchange or accept your guest post and then we'll take the link down after a month for i don't know reasons but if you have a setup where you can track that regularly then you can just go back to them and say hey you know this must have been a mistake but would you mind putting it back back up again and then yeah most importantly it's just keeping a list of everyone you ever outreach to and when you ever outreach to outreach to them something we try to do a lot is not to outreach to the same people within like a, the same year or within six month period depends what we're doing but you need to wait a while before you even consider outreaching the same people we've moved across various different tools gmas mailshake we're experimenting with a tool called pitchbox at the moment which has been really promising for more sort of laser targeted kind of outreach 
So we'll be excited to bring you some more reviews and some more content around PitchBox quite soon. It's a more expensive tool, though. Like it's it's not really competing with Mailshake, right? It's how much is the minimum price? Five hundred bucks a month. Yeah. So it's kind of like the step up. It's kind of when you're getting into like big boy territory, kind of thing. Before that, Mailshake's probably good enough, you know. <laughs> for sure, for sure. I'm, and actually, we still plan on using both tools simultaneously because they're one's kind of the spray and pray approach, one's kind of the the laser targeted approach. So, so yeah, data management very very important when you're moving between tools because you need to be able to export your lists and you know re-import the the correct blacklist and all that kind of stuff also very important to keep backups of these files in case you lose them or something bad happens or whatever after a while this kind of data starts to become hugely valuable and if you lose it all then you really it really can set your business back you know years i also think uh, keeping a list of the people that say yes for links is like you know some people will just get the link and forget about it I think it's massively important. First of all, if you keep also the URL, you can run a broken link check on this page to make sure the link is still here and we outreach these people to get your links back. But second of all, I think it's more like in a scaling strategy. So let's say you have a site that's like doing really well in a niche. One of the growth strategies is to start another site in that niche and just try to rank for the same keywords and get these again. Then if you have that list, it's so easy. You can literally just go back to these people and create content that you know these people would link to. And then you just start a site and you get like 500 links or 600 links really quickly because these people have a track record of saying yes when you reach out to them, all that data. Like starting that second site in the same niche is a lot less painful if you actually keep that data. So it's quite powerful, I would say. Furthermore, when we sold a site in January of, of this year, the buyer, was a, it was a strategic buyer, meaning it was someone who was already established in that industry. They had another site in that space. And so one of the big value gains that they got from acquiring our, our website was that they're able to get our prospecting list. And because we had such meticulous, detailed records of everyone we'd outreach to, everyone who said yes, when they said it, how we got it, all that kind of stuff, they were then able to take a lot of that information and utilize it on their their other site uh, and ask them for links there. So that was kind of a, another thing just to kind of think of in the back of your mind. But overall, if you're one of these people who is just terrible and has spreadsheets, with like horrible names that you could never find it all kept in your download folder if you use a color purple in your spreadsheets as well that's <laughs> i just can't handle it like people who put like purple background with black text on it it's just like no but you know spreadsheets in different formats and with the columns in different orders and just all over the place spread across your teams different google drives not centralized and like if you're one of these people then if you sort this out it just makes link building so much easier and it is really not not too much effort to actually sort it. So yeah, this is a big thing I would I would suggest doing early on. I think also like a lot of people, more and more, like I see people build sites to sell them. Like before the model was really like, oh, I'm gonna get a site and keep it forever. And then people realize even when you build sites properly, like unless you keep putting effort into it, it's not forever. Like it's just like it's kind of like slowly drifting down if you put absolutely no effort in it. So now people want to build sites and sell them. And yeah, like a lot of buyers are strategic buyers, people that already are in your niche, a lot of people that can use this data. And this is the kind of stuff that will either close the deal or increase the multiplier a lot. How much do you spend in link building? Probably thousands of dollars per month. If you can save them six months of effort from like two or three employees, 
how much money is that worth to them and how happy are they to like actually get that instant progress for so often they don't just have one site in that niche they have multiple sites in that niche like how happy are they of this progress it's just so much value so I think, yeah, I think having this data, especially if you have the contact details with it and all that stuff, like it's very easy for them to just pick it up and start a new site. Then if you're in this game to sell, it's really powerful to do this properly and to figure it out and to have the right templates. It's also when when you get to the sales stage where you've listed your site and then maybe you have a few people interested, you start doing some initial calls with those people the more organized and the more kind of like on it you can present yourself as the more likely they are to put in a higher offer and kind of above the asking price we got pretty significant amount above our asking price in in our case and part of the reason was just because all of this data was available to the potential buyer and it was such that they could justify outbidding the previous person so you know huge huge thing there yeah yeah Okay, so this was a lot of advanced stuff, but I think one of the main beginner's issue, and I think you you touched on it at the beginning of the podcast, is trying to learn everything at once, right? It's trying to do guest posting, broken link building, resource paging, building skyscraper, and whatever else, like uh, Red Fishkin tweeted about last week. And it's like, if you want to be good, at the, in the end, like, think about it. Each tactic has essentially a pool of people that's doing it. Let's say in guest posting, there's 10,000 people in skyscraper, there's 3,500 people. And in broken link building, there's 2,000 people because they're a little bit less popular. And basically, there's kind of like a ranking in each of them. With like number one, that's like the best at, get, at guest posting, the best at broken link building. And kind of like in real life, these people, you know, the 1% gets 80% of the links. And then the rest just shares the rest and struggles. So... If you ever want to get a lot of links to your site, the goal is to take, to get to this top percentile of each of one category, right? I mean, ideally you'd want to be on all of them, but the real way to make some real breakthrough is to pick one and get to at least the top 10%, let's say. Like top 10% is already getting a lot. Then if you get to top 5%, you get four, five times more. You get top 1%, you get a hundred times more. You know, that's, that's kind of how it works. It's not linear. It just grows really fast exponentially. And so... If you're a beginner and you know, you're like, oh, I sent 20 emails for guest posts. Now I'm going to do some broken link building. And now, oh, I sent 30 emails for broken link building. Now I'm going to do some skyscraper. Then write some random article and send like 30 emails and be like, done. I'm done with my link building. You don't get the experience. Like You will be good at skyscraper after you've sent several thousand emails. Tens of thousands even. It takes time to, to get there. It's like saying, I mean, most of us who are listening to this podcast probably know that if you start your first site, you write five blog posts for that site, you're not going to be an expert writer. And you, those five articles are not going to be enough for you to understand whether or not the niche is worthwhile or whether or not online marketing and SEO is even legit. And we're not all just talking out our asses here. Now, that is the same thing with link building. It's just the numbers are much higher. You can't send 20 or 50 or even 100 emails out and make a rational decision about whether this is, is working or not. It's it's thousands, if not tens of thousands, um, especially if you're doing the kind of like a shotgun style link building where you email a lot of people. It's slightly different with the more targeted methods. Methods give uh, I'll give you that. Instead of trying to get new taxes. And actually, look, this is another good thing. As a publisher, so as someone who sells link building courses and who publishes content, including this podcast around link building, 
honestly, there's only so much content we can produce around. Here is the one tactic or two or three basic tactics that if you just do one of these, that's really all you'll need for your that's first enough. year yeah. of link building. Like that's the reality of the situation. But publishers, like we have an, as publishers, we have an incentive to give more, oh, hey, here, here's this new link building tactic, which we've just discovered. Come check it out, buy this course or, or whatever. I can put FAQs in search results and stuff like this, you know? I don't know if you've seen that. <laughs> with, with link building though, specifically, because people don't kind of progress far enough with any one thing, the shiny object syndrome is so, so much more powerful than really in, in anything else. And I would go as far as to say most people that I know not everyone, but most people that I know don't do link building properly because they try a few things that kind of half-ass it and then they jump onto the, the next thing because for whatever reason, they discount it as not working because they sent X number of emails and that they didn't have the success which they, they, they expected. So if you want to get good at link building, you got to grind it out. It's like World of Warcraft, you know, re-rolling after you reach level 15 every time. It's, you're never going to play the game. It's like going to the gym. It's like fixing your diet. It's like all this stuff. Like you, you eat healthy once, you don't, you don't lose weight. You know, it's like it, it's not exactly how it works. So it's it's something that you need to keep at to to get good at. And yeah, I mean, it's the nature of all these things. People give up before they they get to the goal. So think every time that you want to switch tactics, think that like ten other people are switching tactic, and if you don't, you're ahead of them. Yeah. And ultimately, it's not difficult. I mean, none of the tactics in, in link building is really rocket science, and most can be explained quite easily. The complexity and why when I created the Shotgun Skyscraper Blueprint, it was, I don't know, 60 odd videos for one tactic. It's because the execution, when you really get to like an advanced level, does become complex. But it doesn't have to be at the beginning. The tactic is explained in like one video, and then it's all execution, actually. So it shows that it's like it's not it's not some rocket science tactic, but rather how to do it like really really well, and that's kind of what we focused on on this. And honestly, even for us, we know that even if we do like more uh, premium link building content, we're not going to do like twenty of them or something like this. Like we're going to do like three, maybe. I'm thinking we could do like three courses on link building, but after that, honestly, I don't even think anyone needs more, right? Or, or like it's just going to be adjustments to like existing stuff, but it's not going to be very different. So yeah, it's like we, we try not to actually give you content that's not good for you, despite the fact that as publishers, we would have that incentive. It would be better for us, but we don't think it's right for people, actually. Uh, and this is another reason, like in our course, the authority size system, which is aimed at beginners. There's only one tactic, yeah. <laughs> the decisions that we made, made in that course about what to include, it was more about what to not include. We tried to give people like a single track to go through when building and growing their authority site. It's like, you just need to do these things. Forget all the other noise out there, just do this. Um, and yeah, it's the same throughout link building. Okay, I'll talk about one quick one now and then we're gonna have like a big one at the end. But this quick one is um, people don't realize that the internet is a dynamic environment. And what I mean by that is that, let's say you're doing, I'm gonna talk about the skyscraper example. We've done so many podcasts. If you're listening to the podcast, you probably know what it is. If not, then go on the show notes of this podcast. 164 and would link to a podcast that explains exactly what skyscraper is by the way but essentially if you're doing a skyscraper at one point in time looking at the links that point to your competitor's page right but the problem is especially if this page is ranked for a big informational keywords these pages keep acquiring links over time right so one 
thing that people usually struggle with is creating that kind of skyscraper content. And so instead of creating more, what you can do is just take your older one and just recheck the new links to the pieces of content that are maybe now ranking all the old ones that you checked before. And then you can just do more outreach for that same piece of content. Now, there will be times where your piece of content will be updated, especially if it's like a two-year window or something like this. So because there's so much value in updating content, especially like, like now it's all the craze, like updating content, putting last updated date on your content is basically what everyone does. And for good reason, it's usually more profitable to do this than to publish new content. But you're essentially able to combine these two together, right? You're essentially able to build that process of revisiting your skyscrapers two years later, updating them to gain some rankings, and at the same time, re-outreaching for the top results without necessarily recreating a whole piece of content, which is a really good thing to look at instead of like milling new content all the time and try not really thinking about that because you'll be surprised. We've done that on some pieces on Toy Hacker recently, and I was quite surprised at how many uh, how many link opportunities there was. Often, as many as we had initially for the first outreach. So that's quite well said. And what's also really powerful with this is that the more batches of outreach you do, the more a single page starts stacking links. Like you're gonna start getting pages with like a hundred links, so that kind of stuff. And these pages they can rank for big keywords, which is really powerful if you're building an email list, even if it's an info keyword. You can always quiz some affiliate stuff if you want. You can build retargeting lists on it. And you can use them to fill your more money pages with internal links. So it's it's quite powerful altogether. It's less work than creating new content and it will get you more results. So I think that's one mistake people make with Skyscraper. Before I jump on the last point, I will remind you that we have a free webinar to teach you how to start brand new authority sites. You can just go on toyhacker.com. You go on the homepage, you click on join the free training and you fill the pop-up and it's going to send you that free training. It is a webinar I spent three weeks to put together. So that was a long time. I think one of the link building tactics we talked about here is actually in that webinar, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot. Like literally this this webinar is an hour and 20 minutes or something. <laughs> and I, I go through a lot, a lot of things like which teams to use and like, you know, all these kind of things, like how to do basic branding for sites. A lot of things for people who want to get started. So if you haven't started yet, if you're thinking of starting a new site, anything like that, just go on notoryhacker.com and sign up for that webinar. That's it for the promo. Now let's jump onto the next post, which uh, the next post, the next point, which is something that's changing my vision of link building a lot, actually. And I think, I mean, some people have talked about it, like really white hat people, but in a bit of a bad way, like in a non-actionable way, I think. And I think that there's a lot to be done. So basically, we are the SEO world has embraced outreach to a level at which it never had before. Like more and more people do outreach. And as a result, there's a lot of competition in the inbox with people that you know do skyscraper, do all these things, etc. I'm not saying it doesn't work. It does work. We do that every day. We get links every day. But the competition is increasing, and that's a fact of the market, both for guest posting, for skyscraper, for broken links, for resource pages, all that stuff, right? And one thing that I've been working on in the past six months was uh, paid traffic, actually. So uh, converting people from advertising to customers. And when I look at the stats in paid advertising, what I realize is that essentially when we do retargeting, and I'm sure if you've been on our site, you've seen our retargeting. When we do retargeting, our cost per sell is about 10 times lower than it would be if we were just showing our ad to someone that's never been reading a blog post of ours or never been interacting with us. It's a really, really, really big deal. And this same principle applies to link building as well. It's just another conversion. Instead of a sell, 
It's just getting someone to link to you, which is actually a lot easier. Instead of asking for money, asking for a link, I mean, people will give links more than faster than money, you know? The trick is to focus on these warm audiences and cultivate them. And warm audiences, I'm going to give you a list of things that include warm audiences. And that's going to give you ideas of tactics you can start working on. People who buy products from you, so customers. People who subscribe to your email list. People who follow you on social media. People who like or comment any social status that you have online. People who shared your content before. The friends of your friends or the friends of the people you know. So, you know, common connections on LinkedIn, common friends on Facebook, that kind of stuff. People whose work you've mentioned and or promoted. So, for example, you link to them or you mention them in a social update, etc. And they've replied back. They say, thank you for sharing my stuff. Thank you for all of that. These are people who are warm to you. People who fill your contact form. People who reach through you to support. All these little pockets of people that are 10 times more likely to convert. I don't have 10 times. I'm saying that based on paid advertising. I haven't run the numbers for LinkedIn, but a lot more likely to convert. And so where I'm seeing all of this going is that Instead of, I mean, there will be a degree of cold emailing, the same way there is a degree of cold advertising when you run an advertising campaign. But I think a lot of it is going to be building up these warm audiences and growing them through processes like promoting your content on social media so people can like it, can comment on it, can interact with it. And after they've done that, you say, hey, can I guess post on your site? Can I link? Nice to meet you, that kind of stuff. People who share your link, like just tweet and message them and just say thank you and then eventually come back later and check their website. And then if they have a good website, then eventually reach, put them in your outreach list for warm targets. People whose product you've reviewed. So for example, like a good example that you can all check on Atari Hacker is Elementor, right? Elementor, we've basically embraced it. We really like the product. We made a good review about it because we think it's a good product. And now I talk with Ben regularly, who is the CMO of Elementor. And if I want a link, I just literally ping Ben on Messenger. And I'm sure, I'm sure Ben might be listening, but I'm sure I can convince him to link to us from his homepage at some point, you know, if I give him a good testimony or make a video or something. And these links, like even I will not get them by just filling the contact form on Elementor.com, you know. Again, building a process that checks the, the domains of the people that sign up to your email list or fill your contact form is a, probably a good way to build these warm lists. Write about people you want links from as well. It's quite powerful. So like, what if you reverse it? What if, like I said, like you promote these people and then they say thank you and then you have like a warm relationship with them. So what if you actually made your editorial on purpose mention these people so you start building that relationship? And what's really powerful with this is, I mean, it's links, but it's more than links. It's real marketing, basically. You can negotiate mutual promotion. You can negotiate affiliate partnerships, higher commissions if you're promoting their products, joint ventures, and then links are just a byproduct of all of that. And so I really see like this, doing this at paid advertising and seeing the difference shows me, and then looking back at the experiences we had with LinkedIn really shows me that for the people that want the best links without paying for them, it's going to be the way. It's a bit more work, but a lot of the things I mentioned can be very like, you know, processed and done together in an easy process. Like looking at who signs up for your email list, checking the domains in mass checker in domain rating on Ahrefs, and then making a short list, following on them on social media with your brand social, and then retweeting some tweets, et cetera, and then eventually just like contacting them. It's not that difficult. And it, it can be done by like cheap employees, basically. So I think that if you want to step up your link building, it's something you should look at. It's a 
one of the things I'll be talking about at these conferences. I'll be running some experiments by then. It's also like one of the big benefits of this, this whole authority site model is that this energy and this effort that you're, you're putting in really will start to snowball over time. We, we've really seen it a lot. And I'd say like the last 18 months, these kinds of opportunities uh, and, and easy link building, like coming to us more and more and more. So I'm, I'm really excited to you know see what the future holds for, for that stuff. And, and like you said, but I think it's just changing the shift, like thinking about these warm audiences and building them up. And then advertising to them is easy. Advertising. It's like emailing them or something like that. Like, and your reply rate is going to be 80%, you know? And, uh, and so like, it's especially valuable for the high quality links, I think. For the people, like if you, after a certain threshold, when your site gets below above DR60, 70, like DR30 links, they don't do much. <laughs> and so like, you really need to start getting these high DR links. I was talking with like, Site owners are people that have the IT plus sites, and they basically said they just moved to digital PR because that's the only thing that really moves the needle with links. Um, so it's powerful when you get to that level. And I think that is what you need to eventually figure out. I think you can do all the rest until you like DR70 or something. And then after that, you need to start switching gears to get these higher DR links and be able to catch up with the higher level competition. So all right, so I hope you got your fix for this week. We will see you next week. If you are not subscribed yet, don't forget, we're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on SoundCloud, and wherever you want, really. If you really like this episode, don't forget to drop us a review. It helps us reach more people, and we'll see you next week. Bye.